0: There's so much noise out there for everything. Without a doubt, the best thing is a word of mouth recommendation. When someone that you trust says, oh, I think you'd really like this, it's gonna have a lot more weight to it than 42 different advertisements coming at you. I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place to advertise what you do and do it well. If you create something that has a positive impact on people, they're gonna tell other people about it and that's by far the best.
1: When you create software, say the state of the art approach to that is, create what's called an MVP, which is a minimum viable product, Mm -hmm. and then improve it on the go and with the feedback of the marketing. The
0: book and the software are a little bit different. A book, you're right, once it's out there, it's quote unquote done, and that's it. The software is wonderful because you can constantly enhance it based on feedback, and if it's never out there, then there's no way to give feedback. If your fear is that you can't do something until you've got it perfect, you're never gonna make any progress. And so in the writing space for me, I always tell people write first and edit second. Don't write one paragraph and then go back through and edit it and edit it and edit it until it's perfect. And then write a second paragraph. Write the entire book, be in that state of flow as best you can, and then go back and start working on improving it. Failure is just staying where you're at in my experience. Whatever the place is that I didn't wanna be in, I wanted to be somewhere else, but I was so afraid that I'd fail in the process of getting to somewhere else, that I didn't want to take any steps, but that by in and of itself is failure.
1: As a serial entrepreneur, I'm always trying to evolve. Having great conversations with other high performers is one of the best ways to grow, not only in business, but also in spirit, health, and relationships. This is Svencast. Listen, grow, repeat. We're live with uh, John Strzelecki. John, welcome. Thanks, Sven. Great to be here. Great to see you. Thank you. So to uh, introduce you a little bit, for those who still uh, are uh, need an introduction, you're a best-selling author, a very special best-selling author. You've written inspirational books like The Café on the Edge of the World and Big Five for Life, which is very inspirational for me personally. Um, your books were translated into over... 42 languages, sold more than 6 million copies worldwide. They have won Best Seller of the Year awards five times. I mean, get that five times. And collectively spent more than 800 weeks, 800, on bestseller lists, including more than 250 weeks in the number one spot. That's amazing. Congratulations to that. I mean, this is like I'm talking to the most successful author ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I mean, I, I owe it all to
0: amazing people uh, associated with the projects. I have an incredible publisher. I have an incredible translator who takes what I write and translates it into the into the German language for the folks that are in the German speaking territories. And I have an amazing fan base. I can't tell you the number of times that I've done a book signing. And when I ask people, how did you hear about the book? They say, you know, my best friend gave it to me or they're there with their best friend. Oh. They say, well, I gave it to my best friend or so it's just yeah it's really awesome. I mean how did you hear about it? Did someone give it to you? Did you find it on a bookshelf somewhere?
1: Oh, actually my personal assistant is a big fan of yours and she recommended it and she was like, "Oh, you're starting a podcast, please talk to John Strelicky." Like he's he's <laughs> the most amazing guy and stuff. So yeah, so work gets round and like it seems like you have this viral effect. Everyone is looking for the viral effect kind of online and with videos and with YouTube. No, it's also possible with books. Yeah, That's the cool I mean, I'll thing. tell you
0: what, I, I, there's so much noise out there these days for everything. And uh, I think without a doubt, the best thing, because there is so much noise, is a word of mouth recommendation. When someone that you trust says, oh, I think you'd really like this, then it's going to have a lot more weight to it than 42 different advertisements coming at you. I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place to advertise what you do and, and to do it to do it well. But if you if you create something that has a positive impact on people, they're going to tell other people about it and that's by far the best.
1: Yeah, and but that really requires that your that the the content you create or the product you create or the service is really excellent. It yeah. has to be really really good for people to recommend it without an incentive. This is like the yeah. big thing, right?
0: Yeah, totally. And I mean, I'm a fanatic when it comes to my writing. Um, I just finished actually the fourth book in the Cafe series, which will be coming out in May of 2022. And I'll tell you, Sven, when I go through that process, I mean, I work at it and work at it and work at it until I'm happy with every single word in every single sentence on every single page. And when people ask me about advice for their business or advice for their writing, I always say the same thing. You've only got one shot at a first impression with people, and so don't release it. You know, don't release a B product if you're hoping for an A response. Work hard enough that what you have to offer is truly the best that you have to offer, uh, because you've only got that one shot at that first impression.
1: Well, that's a very that, that's a very interesting statement to me because a, I come from an industry where things work a little bit differently, a little bit, but it's it's actually a dilemma, like when you create software. I have the software platform, Digital Twenty Four. When you create software, it's the the let's say the state of the art approach to that is create what's called an MVP, which is a minimum viable product, mm-hmm. and then improve it on the go and with the feedback of the marketing, as opposed to the so called waterfall model, where you want to try try to do everything perfect and plan, plan out everything perfectly then you have thousands of pages of documentation and of specifications and stuff and it takes it'll take forever to build it and once it's built then a right. it, it's not a fit for the customer and b uh it's still not perfect so um but with with like something like a book i i can understand that it makes more sense but but i think the whole thing around perfectionism and you know therefore like resulting procrastination and stuff. How, how do you cope with it? How do you find that, that line between like getting it out, uh, but making it good enough so that it's still perfect and not procrastinate on it or become a victim of your own perfectionism? Like how, how do you deal with it?
0: Yeah. It's interesting because you're right. Software and book writing are a little bit different. And yet I think if we were to break down the different phases, we'd find that they're actually more similar than different in that So for a book, for example, if I come up with an idea and I think this is something that will have a positive impact on people, then my initial phase of sort of testing that, like you're talking about a first viable product, might be that I would use it in an interview and I would see if I got great reviews coming back from that concept when I introduced it in an interview. Did I see a lot of comments on social media about it? Like, whoa, I never thought about it that way. Um, Do I notice that the interviewer is kind of like, wow, that's really cool. And so I think uh, the same same approach probably applies. That you sort of test your material. You think you've got a good idea, and then you put it out there in a soft scale way, it's just enough that people can get a sense of what you're offering, and then you test it. And then the book and the software are a little bit different. A book, you're right, once it's out there, it's "quote unquote" done, and that's it. A software is wonderful because you can constantly enhance it based on feedback. And if it's never out there, then there's no way to give feedback. Yeah. Um. So I, I think it's it's actually you know, very interesting to look at the two parallels, and probably there's opportunities for both to learn from each other uh, in terms of how that works. But I would say in general, if your fear is that you can't do something until you've got it perfect, you're gonna you're never going to make any progress. And so, in the writing space for me, the example of that would be I, I always tell people write first and edit second. and so mm. Don't write one paragraph and then go back through and edit it and edit it and edit it until it's yeah. perfect and then write a second paragraph. No, no. And don't even do that with a chapter. Like write the entire
1: book, be in that state of flow as best you can, and then go back and start working on improving it. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like when I, for example, I, I, do, I had to learn that really the hard way when I was writing sales copy. Like I wrote a lot mm. of sales copy in my career. As an as an online entrepreneur, uh both with information products and advice products, uh, and in software with software products. And the only approach that worked for me was write everything down, like just don't even edit anything, even a typo or something really obvious, not even talking about you know, like grammar or anything. No, no, just typos or or Stupid things don't even start editing it because then it'll kick you out of your headspace of your flow, and then yeah. you're in correction mode, and correction mode is like not creative mode. It's like I, and 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 this is I think people get hung up with that. Like they they really can get stuck, especially when when they write a book, and so and it's way easier, like also for the human brain, in in my experience, to to process like uh, just one thing at a time. So either mm-hmm. you're writing and then you're creating or you're editing. Yeah. But, yeah. but if you mix, those, then you're multitasking and then without even realizing because you're still thinking you're writing, right? And I also think that there's something
0: else that goes, I would 100% agree with you. And I think there's something else in conjunction with that in terms of the dopamine fix and happy drugs that your brain kicks off, depending on the type of work you're doing and what the feedback loop is. So if you're doing editing, the joy comes from like fixing something or finding a mistake and realizing, oh, I can, I can just adjust that and now I'm done. That sentence, I fixed that issue. But creative is a totally different dopamine fix. That's when you invent something, you've, you've thought of something that hasn't existed before. When you're writing sales copy, when you're writing a book, you're starting with a blank piece of paper. And so the dopamine fix is coming up with something that's brand new. And I think that's totally different parts of the brain. So you're right. When you when you suddenly switch over to editing mode, it's like the brain goes, "Oh well, that that's easy. I can get a faster little dopamine fix from editing than I can from creative." Uh-huh. And so it doesn't want to go back to creative. So better to better to stay in that space, let it all flow, and then switch gears at some point and and go back to to uh, to the editing space. Yeah, you, but- you can't write the second chapter until you've written the first. You know, uh, you can't write yeah. this the second paragraph of the sales copy until you've written the first. So it's something that I've recommended time and time again because people are afraid to fail. I think that's, yes. a, 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 you know, and that's, I've been there totally. i I've, I remember that headspace a lot when I was, especially in my early twenties, but you know, failure is just staying where you're at in my experience from my own life and whatever the place is that I didn't want to be in. I wanted to be somewhere else, but I was so afraid that I'd fail in the process of getting to somewhere else that I didn't want to take any steps, but that by in and of itself is failure.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like (laughs) the the ironic thing is you need failure in order to get somewhere in order to have success. You need failure. Like you need, like, imagine a child, like, uh, being eventually able to walk successfully, but then, but before that, it'll be a lot of crawling and, you know, falling down, et cetera, et cetera. But the good thing with a child is nobody expects the child to be able to walk (laughs) right away. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And, and learning to speak too, right? A kid learns
0: to speak. And I think one of the things that's uh, important to allow ourselves to remember is that learning is, is an, a unique flow, an ebb and a flow, that there are periods of explosive growth in terms of our awareness, our learnings. And this is like language learning, learning to play a guitar, learning to program, learning to write well. And then there are plateaus. And then from the plateau, it may be a little frustrating, but then finally you come out of, the, if you keep moving forward, out of the plateau, you have another explosion of progress. So the trick is to just allow yourself, and I talk about this in Das Cafe, I'm running it about, this is the story of the sea turtle, that when the tide is going against you, allow yourself to just hold your position. Don't lose ground. But don't feel like you need to be paddling furiously all the time because sometimes that's not the flow of the
1: situation. Yeah, sometimes you need, for example, to take a break, uh, to go for a walk or to sleep over something and let your subconscious work. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and, you know, and sometimes it's not even you, sometimes it's that there's other dynamics at play, which sort of need to coalesce. And when they coalesce, then all the, all the different pieces are exactly where they need to be so that you can have that stroke of genius creativity uh, to bring something from
1: a blank piece of paper to something that's real. I see. Thank you. So, so the, so the thing is um, what I still like, when I, when I, if I would write a book, I mean, I've, I've written one book, like uh, an ebook uh, in the past. Um, I, I started with like a mind map and with uh, the, the table of contents. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend that as well? Or do you have a different approach as to like what to write about and what elements do you need? It depends on the type of
0: book. So for a nonfiction book, I find that process to be really valuable. I like the visual aspect of being able to look at it, whether you use post-it notes on a wall or you use a Excel spreadsheet that sort of maps it all out. I like the ability to look and follow the storyline and say, okay, yeah, if I'm going to go from here to here, this one's a chapter about dealing with fears. This one is a chapter that ties into that because it's talking about the changes in the brain when we don't get our dopamine fix. And so you can see the whole storyline and see if it makes sense. Uh, And I've I've written one book that way. I wrote the sequel to the Big Five for Life book that way. And uh, and I think the reason that I did it is because I was was telling a story that wasn't just of my own creation. I was in part telling a story of this amazing company called DLGL uh, up in Montreal, Canada. That said, when I do my other books that are just pure creative flow, I will... I will know that I'm gonna do the project probably for 12 months ahead of time. And during those 12 months, I keep my great idea file. And every time I think of a really cool thought, a unique piece of intellectual capital, I type it up into my Microsoft Word document and I just store it on my Mac. Uh, And then when it comes time to actually start the process of writing the book, I read through that entire document of thoughts and ideas, and then I sit down and I just start typing. And so that process is different when I get stuck, then I go back and I look at the entire file I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a perfect spot for that idea. And I drop it in. Um, so I think part of it is depending on the type of book you're writing. And part of it is depending on the type of person you are and the way your brain functions.
1: I see. Do you ever worry about, for example, having some other author or inspirational motivator or speaker uh, that, that he ha- might have come up with the same idea and you just don't know about it? Uh, or do you don't do you not care at all about that?
0: My guess is that if you looked across human history as far back as we have dated material, that some thoughts and ideas have transcended cultures and timeframes throughout all of human history. So the idea of asking the question, which you know is sort of the core question in Das about, why am I here? My guess is that's a question that people have been asking for all of eternity. So I don't think that you want to sell yourself short and say, well, somebody already asked that. Well, yeah, somebody asked it, but what's the creative way in which your genius is going to ask it? And will that way connect to someone in a way that somebody else's book doesn't? It's it's incredibly intimidating. If you were to walk into the Frankfurt Book Fair, for example, in October every year, <laughs> there are probably half a million titles on display there. Yeah. And you you know you look at your one little book and you're like, how in the world is anyone going to find my little book out of all that? Um, but if everyone thought that, then no one would write anything down. And then we wouldn't have a chance to be doing this podcast. And there wouldn't be millions of people around the world who have been inspired by the books. You kind of just got to trust your intuition. If there's a reason it's saying to you, write this sales letter or write this book or try this entrepreneurial venture. If you're getting that kind of internal calling... Got to be a reason. I mean, there's a million other things you could be doing. If it's that calling, if it's calling you with that much intensity, there's got to be a reason.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. It's it's like for me, I answer that with everyone wants a different channel. You know, like the message might be the same always. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, for example, the the secret to success is like for me a very like straightforward thing you just have to do good work and uh, solve a problem and have everyone know it. and as many relevant people as you can know about it that you have the solution yeah like as as like the basic framework but still you like you, know, you as an individual you like to listen to certain people to certain channels and there's people you would like to listen to and there's people who you don't For for example I I really feel sorry that I hadn't, hadn't learned, did not learn French properly when I back when I was school because I didn't like my French teacher she didn't like mm. me so it was mu- mutual so yeah it's great example it's sort of unfortunate I I think if I if I had loved the French teacher then then would be then I would be able to speak French really well so it's, yeah. I, I
0: think what you're describing is so perfect. It's like one of the challenges in life is to get enough life, enough practical life experience about something to realize how learning it is worth doing and why it's worth doing. Uh, I'm totally with you. Had I have under, had I have had the chance to backpack Central and South America when I was seven years old, I would have been so motivated to learn Spanish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because because it's and it's so much easier when you're a kid. But I would have seen the payoff. And so that's one of the techniques I really recommend for people, no matter what is the thing that you're striving towards, is try and immerse yourself, whether it's virtually and you're reading about someone's life story or you're watching interviews, or even better is physically being in the experience, immerse yourself in what you think you're trying to get to. Because when you get to experience it, then you see what the payoff is, and that provides so much of the framework for why it's worth going through the struggles. because, um, you know, yeah, you learn French, you learn Spanish, you you, you learn to write, uh, you learn how to write a book. It's not always easy. And there's got to be a motivating presence that keeps pushing you in the tough times. Uh, so i'm I'm right there with you. I think I think that's incredible advice, and I love your idea too, about finding, the teacher or the process that works for you because yeah. there's dozens of them i mean we're so blessed there are tons of pot if you want to be uh here use your example if you want to learn french there's probably 50 different youtube channels about learning french yeah, you know? yeah. F- find the one that they talk your language It connects with your learning style
1: yes And and where you find the person, where you like to listen to the person. Like, I think it's a lot about, uh, you know, being sympathetic or not. In the following episode of Svencast something
0: that I finally learned and adopted in my life as well, which is it's okay to fail, just don't make the
1: same mistake twice. I feel like it's always about a decision. You have to decide to feel good as soon as possible and to work for it. And then you can do all kinds of things like taking an, an ice bath. You cannot feel terrible because you're just busy with surviving. For example, happiness just happens inside your head. You don't need much more than your head. Vibration is very important, especially nowadays, where like the world is under pressure. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Svencast again.